What up, what up? This is your boy Checo. This is your boy Noi. What up? And this is Compas Unfiltered. Thank you guys for listening, for watching. Make sure you guys follow all of our social media. Subscribe and like. And make sure you go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you drop a comment on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe. Yes, sir. Enjoy the episode. And I've, yeah. I've caught myself look at the camera like this and shit. And yeah. Actors it, it and movies stupid. are trained to not look at the camera. And uh, I saw this thing on Instagram the other day. It's like this AI uh, app that you can apply it to like a certain scene from a movie and it'll make it like if they're looking at you bro and it's it's a little weird bro <laughs> oh so they're not looking but with the with, with the ai with thing the AI? like their eyes are looking at you like looking right at the camera bro because if oh, you notice in movies shit. yeah they're, they're trained to not look at the camera bro you know yeah yeah, yeah that's a that's a th- that's a thing so yeah i bro. can see that because they're like they're like in mode right like in the, yeah, whatever. yeah exactly. they're in character and shit. yeah they're in yeah, so so they can't look at the fuck. Holy yeah, fuck, bro! Mostly all movies, you don't see eye contact. You know, yeah, they don't look directly at the camera. Yeah, but I can see that too, because like I don't know if you, I've ever seen this app, and we've had like pictures of like uh, family members and whatnot, and we did this with my grandpa, which is kind of creepy. You put this app over, and it's just it turns on the oh, camera. Yeah, yeah, and it makes their mouth. And yeah. I think I showed you one. Like I te mandé una way. Yeah, pero yo de mamón, pero. And I've seen it too. You sent it to me, and I've seen it also where. They do it with people that are no longer here, and they they put it on Facebook or whatever. Like, oh, they were alive here or whatever. Yeah, my my sister it's said it's kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah, my sister sent because one of my sisters passed away in 2016, and uh, she sent me that, and I'm like, I'm like, what? oh, you have a video here? It's like, no, this is an app or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Like, I don't think she'd be happy you doing that. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry to hear that. It was, it was yeah, a sorry about your sister, bro. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, she um. She died in 2016. She went out for a night of drinking, bro. And she drank too much. And yeah, she passed away, man. Just alcohol, poisoning, I guess it's what oh, alcohol. cause she, of the death. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it wasn't even like a car accident or anything. It was actually no, no, too yeah. much. Drinking. Yeah. Like she drank too much, bro. Like it was like a fucking gallon of Ciroc or something like that, bro. You know? And uh, yeah. And and that, that kind of, uh, it's crazy, right? Because- that complicates the whole situation that of what happened to my daughter, right? Because it's her son that did this to my daughter. Oh, you know, so that caused a lot of complications and maybe uh, sympathy towards the kid, you know, my my nephew for doing this just because his mom passed away, you know, and uh, it's kind of like with my mom, you know, she's. The she took custody of them because their dad wasn't is not in their lives. He was out of their lives maybe like a year before um, my sister passed away. And then when my sister passed, you know, she was already living with my mom and my dad. So they took custody naturally. Right. And, uh, you know, they're the legal guardians. And when this happened, it's like se voltearon, right. They They immediately were like all on his side and uh, dismissing or not believing that this happened, you know? So uh, I guess, let me, let me explain, right? Cause I guess we're, we know what we're talking about. Probably people listening don't know. Right. So um, I, I bumped into Noe at Fiesta Market and I just said, what's up? I'm a listener of the podcast. I'm like, yo, what's up, Noe? How's it going, bro? And that's it. I just thought that I'd say what's up to him. And then I thought, you know, I've had this desire to to uh, bring awareness to parents about, you know, sexual assault or, you know, sexual abuse within the family. Uh, um, my my daughter on her uh, sixth birthday, unfortunately, my nephew, uh, he 
he raped her. He sexually assaulted her in, in my home, you know, while I was there. So I was like, I already had this desire to kind of bring awareness to this, to, you know, the Mexican-American culture, but everybody, right? You don't, it, it, this, this is not just a Mexican-American thing, right? Just any culture. But since I'm Mexican, I'm like, yeah, let me target our people because I know that our people our age that have young kids, I know, Checo, you don't have children, yeah. but, you know, um, they, they, they'll go to a peda, being a borrachera, bro, while all the kids are off doing their own thing, right? That's that's how it is, bro. Parents are drinking, chilling. Kids are off doing their own thing. So I was like, man, I just, I'm pretty sure that this happens a lot. So I want to talk about it. It happened to me. I'm going to make sure that uh, I don't just fall into those, uh, fall in, be a part of those people who just keeps it quiet, right? I was telling Checo earlier that this kind of sexual assault and sexual abuse, it thrives on the ability to be kept hush-hush, to be kept quiet. That's how it keeps on happening. So, you know, unfortunately, it happened on her birthday, you know, and then when uh, she told us about it, I was I was angry, bro. I was angry. I was heartbroken. I broke down, bro. It was, it was devastating, devastating news, right? You feel like as a father, you feel like you failed your 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 daughter. Like, damn. It, it, it was hard, man, to to hear those words come out her mouth when her giving the details of what happened. And, you know, I, I got to the house and what does everybody say? Everybody's always like, man, if that happened to my kid, I would this, 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 and that, right? Yeah. 100%. Everybody always says that, bro. And then it happens to your kid. And trust me, I also felt like, oh, man, I want to fucking... I want to do something to this motherfucker. Yeah. Instantly, right? So I just thought, and I'm like, no, I, I'm I'm going to be here for my kids. I'm going to be there for them. So as much as I want to do something, I'm going to go about it a different way. I called the cops. I reported it. A couple months later, after an investigation, he was he was charged with it. How, how old was this? Uh, he's guy? he's thirteen. Okay. He was thirteen at the time. He's fourteen now, right? So, um, yeah, I told my mom about it initially. Like, I called her, like, "Hey, you know, my daughter is saying this," and she's like, "No, no, he would never do that." So, instantly, bro, it's like, bam! Inst- it was like an instant. Well, you didn't expect. It's what happened. Yeah, like it's an instant side choosing. It's like, what? Like, you're supposed to be wanting to figure this out. Not instantly, like you denying instantly that this kid would never do something like that. You're calling my daughter a liar. You know what I mean? And as a father, what do you do? Like, no, no, no. My my daughter's not going to make something like this up, right? And I... It was hard, right? But I asked my daughter the question. I was like, are you lying? Are you making this up? And she was crying, bro. She's a little kid. Why would I make something like this up, dad? Why would I make something like this up? It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. I mean, I would never want anybody to experience that, bro. And it's a tough thing to hear. It's a tough thing to to try to figure out the right way to go about it, right? And... um, I just immediately took action, legal action, and dude, it, you it's your it's my mom, bro. It's my brother, my sister, everybody. Just except for one sister who kind of stood 
neutral. She stood like in the middle, right? Like she would contact me and let me know she's talking to the dumb two. She went about it the most mature, loving way that she could Being, you know, she lives in Florida, so she wasn't really trying to get involved. Shout out to her. I appreciate what she did. She, but everybody else was on the other side? Yeah, yeah. But dude. why, though? Uh, and, and Like, if it happened, it, like, wouldn't they feel... For them, they, there's, no, um, there's no way he would have done this in their mind. This is all some kind of lie, or we made this up or something. And it's like, dude, there, there was a formal investigation. Like, the, the investigation, I didn't do the investigation. And I'm but, sure, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure, but... Here's a question for you. I, I've seen on movies when a rape happens to an adult. I mean, there's a test that happens. I'm not sure if it's the same test for a kid. Uh, I don't well, know she, what type of she trauma came they... forward with this. Like, obviously, from she he, he, she was threatened, and so it was like my older daughter, uh, Nani. Shout out to Nani. She wanted me to say that she's cool and awesome on this pod. So, <laughs> Nani, you're cool. Shout and awesome. out! Shout yeah. out! Shout out! Yeah. So, um, she unfortunately witnessed this happening. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, it, it was kind of this, um, I guess I could, I could play out the scenario, right? How it happened. So, I mean, this was already, uh, it's already done legally. You know, everything happened. He was, you know, he pled guilty. He was sentenced. So it's a closed investigation, right? So mm-hmm. what had happened that day is, uh, I noticed him, he went downstairs in the basement. He wanted to sleep over. So... I was always kind of like, I would always say no, right? He always wanted to sleep over the house. And I was like, no, no, you know, like, sorry, you know, I, I just want to. It's not that I was being an asshole or anything like that. It's just that, you know, he was older than them. You know, I got a son. Uh, I got, you know, two sons, a, a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old. And he's a little, this kid's older than them. But they hang out, they're cousins. There was an incident about maybe two years prior or something, I was looking up like a recipe for, um, we were grilling out in the yard and I saw like the the history, right? Because, yo, the chismoso, I, I went into the history of the phone because I was like, hey, somebody got a phone handy? They're like, yeah, here, take this one. And I was like, looked up some grilling shit and I was like, whose phone is this? They're like, oh, this is this kid's phone. I'm like, you know, kind of the parental instincts in me kicked in. I'm like, hey, let me check the... Uh, the history browser, the, yeah, the history browser, whatever. And I go in there and I saw some, some like uh, porn shit, right? So after that, I'm like, I felt like no, I like, he's my nephew, I love him, but I know he's into this kind of stuff. So I just kept that boundary, like, yeah, we'll go hang out. I don't, you know, I'm not like uh, cutting him off, ostracizing him just because. Just he makes got, you feel some type of way, yeah, like, yeah. All right, but like to be, be around cautious. my younger, to be yeah. around my younger kids, I'm I'm more precautious. So he came over that day with my mom, and my son was like, "Hey, can you sleep over?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, you know, kind of like got put on the spot, right?" So I'm like, "Whatever, you know, let him sleep over." I saw him go in the basement with my daughters. And I'm like, yeah, I went down there to check on them. Like, hey, what's going on? They're playing with like a VR headset. And I'm like, okay, I checked it out. I even put on the VR headset myself. Everything was cool. Played with them for a little bit. I'm like, okay, they're cool. They're just playing the VR headset. And you never want to think that about your own family, right? You never think that anything this extreme is going to happen. So you let your guard down, bro. Your guard is let down and... You know, I, I I beat myself up about it sometimes. Like, fuck, man. I wish I could go back and, and just be like, you know, ch- change things, you know. So, yeah, there was, they obviously, we, we took her to the uh, doctors. They did 
their uh you know a test on her and you know they they not to go into the medical part of it but yeah there was something that that was you know found and my daughter seeing this with her own eyes you know saying like yeah dude i saw this dad so not just one not two people so physical evidence apart like my daughter witnessed this you know so after the investigation they brought charges to this kid right and going to court you know uh they the prosecutors came to us like hey you know we can there's enough evidence to to convict this guy you know and uh we just want to ask you guys as the parents are you guys uh okay with us offering a plea bargain and immediately it's like oh fuck no you know like absolutely not you know i want this kid to have the ultimate punishment i want this guy locked up you know you want uh, when this happens to your kid you want this person to be locked up and you want to throw away the key you know and um just kind of like my i love my sister who passed away right so i i have a heart I'm not, I'm not a bad person. So I'm like, you know what? What's the plea bargain? Like five years probation. My, my, uh, the mother of my, of my, you know, daughter and I talked about it and we're like, you know what? This is the best way to go about it to ensure that it doesn't happen to somebody else. Cause if you lock somebody up, like a young kid who does this, they're going to come out even more of a monster. There's no intervention in there for them. There's no counseling. There's no, they just go serve their time and you're going to create a bigger monster and put other kids at risk. Right. So we're like, you know what? Fuck it. As, as, if he's on probation, he's going to get counseling. He's going to get help. We didn't have to do that. Right. We could have been like, nah, whatever, you know, but at the end of the day, this, this guy's a kid, right? He's a kid and he needs help. He's disturbed, obviously, but he did something horrible. He did something bad. He's not that young where he doesn't know what he's doing, right? Right. So that's where the whole chaos comes in with my family, my mom, my brother, my sister. It's like, guys, just because he's the son of, of you know, my sister who passed away, that shouldn't justify him being able to, like, do these kind that of things. Of harm, yeah. yeah, like this kind of harm. <clears throat> like, where, where is your guys' compassion towards my daughter? Where is your, you guys don't care? I texted my brother and sister, bro, in tears. They never texted me back when I told them like that this had happened. They never texted me back. Never. To this day. Never got. And then in the court, the day my my mom found out, because they, they took him when the first court date, the judge, they took him into custody, bro. They're like, this kid's not safe to be around other kids. And he lived in a household with a whole bunch of other minors. So they took him into custody. He was in custody for like three months until he pled guilty. And the day that, you know, my... In court, they said that he was going to be released after, you know, his sentencing. Dude, my own mother, bro, walked past me humming, humming and whistling, happy that he was getting out. It's like, that. It, besides the whole betrayal, it's like, no, now you're kind of just thriving in my, um, thriving in, in, in the fact that, like, this kid's going to get go home. And now you're just like, uh, it, it goes beyond just betrayal, right? Now she's like rubbing it in. Now she's like, you know, that very cynical about it, you know, and, and my own brother would walk past me, you know, and he's like this fucking wannabe gangbanger dude from Chicago and just walks by me smiling and me mugging me. I'm like, 
in my head, I'm thinking like, and now I, I got, I got furious, bro. I, my, uh, my, uh, the, my mother's kids, her name's Marieta. She was like, yo, it's like chill. Like they're not even worth it. But in my mind, I was telling her like, is this guy serious? He's smiling at me all cocky. Like, does he not know why I'm here? This right. is this like is forgot this, about this is my brother. Child. This is yeah. my brother. This is the uncle to my to my daughter. You're gonna walk by and, and smile at me. My mom, you're gonna you're gonna whistle and hum past me all happy that this guy's getting out. Like, do you guys not know that there was an investigation? This kid's pleading guilty. And the whole time in court, bro, this guy is like just no reaction, bro. It's just that when they took him into into custody. His reaction said a lot. He was just like, put his hands behind his back. It's like, he knows he did something wrong. A normal kid, bro, who, who did something, who didn't do something and is going, and is getting locked up. It's going to be like, no, what are you, why am I going to jail? No, I didn't yeah. do nothing. That guy, he, he, knew. He, he knew he messed up. Bro. He had no reaction. He's like, yeah, got put in handcuffs. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, no, I was going to jump in real quick. Yeah. I, I, I apologize. We didn't get to introduce you, bro. I kind of let you just go right into no, that, it. This is the homie David. Um, and my question, or more like, I don't want to justify what your family was doing at all or anything like that. And I'm more so of a question, is is the dad around? Like your nephew's dad around? No, and, no. He, he uh, like about a year before uh, my sister passed, he was out of he, He's out of the picture. Yeah. And that's what breaks my heart is because as much as I could as an uncle, Bro, I try to be a father figure to this kid. You know what I mean? And I mean, I pride myself in 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 trying to be the the best father that I can possibly be, bro. Like, I'm very involved with my kid. I love my kid. I love being a father. Everything I do is to try to thrive and and to be there for them, bro. Like, I I'm constantly trying to make sure that they uh, know that I'm present, that they know that I love them, that you know I'm trying to just be there with them in life, bro. So, I I was doing that for him and his and. Like uh, my sister left five kids when she passed away. I try to do that for each and every one of them. I mean, I try to fill that void as much as I could. That's why for this kid to do that, it was like, whoa, what? That's ultimate betrayal, betrayal dude. Yeah. I treated you like my own son. You know what I mean? I treated you like my own kid, bro. I loved you like my own kid. And you're going to do this? Like, why? Why would you do this? And that's... A big reason why I wanted to come on here is to let fathers know and, and mothers too, right? It's like, don't put your guard down. You know, they're family and everything, but this situation taught me, bro, that, bro, people are going to choose sides, man. They're going to choose sides. And my mom being the guardian of this kid, she chose his side, right? Obviously, I think the wise thing to do in that situation, right, it's both of your grandchildren. It's like, try to figure out what went, if this went, if this happened, try to make sure that this kid gets help for being so disturbed to do something like this and to make sure that her granddaughter's okay. Not one time did they ever check up on my kids, bro, my daughter, nothing, never. So, like I said, not justifying it, but um, more so maybe he has nobody. And with your daughter... She has two parents, right? Right. So, like I said, not that it's okay. I, I still think it's respectfully. I think it's fucked up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I can see that. I can see why. But as far as the way she went about it was was fucked up. Yeah, it, it was messed up, right? And 
I, I've spoken to his probation officer. She gave me a call. I was requesting to, to speak with her. And she was like, oh, well, you know, he's a kid, you know, he's a kid. And, uh, you know, she, uh, what, what is your mom supposed to do? He needs to live somewhere. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, like you're coming off as if I don't care that he's a kid. You know, Marietta and I agreeing to him getting probation says a lot about us as parents and adults understanding that he's a kid who needs help. We don't mm-hmm. want this to get worse and other people to be in danger, right? And as a as a final like gesture to my sister who passed away, it's like, hey, you know what? Your, what your kid did is horrible. <clears throat> I, there's no way I'm not going to report this. There's no way that I'm going to f- forgive that he did this. But I know that the kid needs help. So I feel like two wrongs don't make a right. So I went about it as compassionately as I could. The if my uh, ex and I didn't agree to the uh, plea bargain, it wasn't going to be presented to him. Mm-hmm. We, and, we and that was going to be my question. Uh, was now where you stand today? Like, is it still the same decision you would have made about the plea bargain, or would it be different? You know, I, I struggle with that, bro. Right, I struggle with that because you, he's back at home. You know, and, and talking to his probation officer, she was like, well, he's going to have to get a job someday. So if he wants to work at McDonald's, I know there's kids that come and stuff. And and like I, I want him to be able to work and all this. And it's like, man, you know, seems like society has more of an interest in making sure that not making the perpetrator feel so bad about what they did than to realize the like effects that it has on the person that it happened to, mm-hmm. right? So they're more about like, oh, well, he did this, but let let's let's get him back into society so quick. So yeah, sometimes like, man, I wish that I wish he would have just got locked up, right? But at the end of the day, you have to think about other kids. He's gonna be around kids, you know. And it, the messed up thing is, since he's a minor, he's a registered sex offender in Illinois, but only the school superintendent and the police where he lives are going to know about this. So he's going to be around other kids in school. He's going to be around other kids if he's working at McDonald's or whatnot. So, you know, it's it, it sometimes, yeah, you're like, you wish he would have got locked up, but understanding the circumstances where he comes from, right? Uh, I feel like, yeah, he has those circumstances, but he's always had my parents there for him. He's always had me there for him. He's had people there for him. It's not like he was just like an abandoned kid, bro. Right, he, right. he comes from a household where he's he was given a lot of love, a lot of attention. You know, we we're a close-knit family. And so, yeah, I understand he comes from bad circumstances. But there was always, uh, especially me, trying to fill that void for those circumstances, right? So... What was going to be the uh, the charge if you didn't take the plea bar, uh, bargain? Like, the charge you, the charge wasn't like, going to change. The charge is class- or, or more so the the sentence. The, the sentence. Yeah, the Sorry. sentencing. That's so hard to know, right? So this is what the sentencing would have been for him. He would have gotten uh, like basically juvenile life. So he gets out one day before his twenty first birthday. A juvenile judge can only sentence somebody to the max, but they have no control over the minimum time they serve. So they have programs in there, like different little programs that they can complete. And especially this being his first charge, he could have probably done a year, year and a half, and then been out. 
No monitoring, no counseling, no nothing. He's just served his time. He's back out now. So, I mean, I think being able to monitor somebody who has the uh, ability to do this kind of disturbing thing is better to monitor him for five years and to hopefully get him help so he can change, right? Right. Yeah. yeah so, trust me, man. I mean, I, I, I've tried to go about it the best way possible. Now, what... um. You mentioned that like the police, the superintendent at the school would know, but do they try to protect that type of information as well so they don't get bullied and stuff like that? I, I mean, <sighs> I know we're focusing on that, I mean, but there's two parts to it. Yeah, right? yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think what, people would want to know that information too. Like, I don't know if they even put that information out at a school. Imagine the type of- Since he's a minor, I don't think- Yeah, right. I'm not sure. I don't think they're allowed to distribute that information because right. he's a minor. So that's, it's but a that's, scary thing, right? That's so, a scary thing if you have your kids at yeah, that same school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. The, the, yeah. That's what I'm saying. This kid could be around other kids. And from what I, this, it, it's happened already over a year ago. And I talked to the probation officer a few weeks ago. They said that they're so backed up with counseling. This kid still hasn't gotten any kind of professional help, but he can still potentially be around somebody's kid. So it's like, yeah. Sometimes you wish you would have locked them up, but the hope is that this is to help somebody else. It's not really like for me, I will never this kid is cut off from my life. I don't I don't care for this kid no more. But I do care about other kids in my family. And if he's gonna be around them, I wanna make sure, like, hey, I didn't keep this a secret. I expose this. Be careful, right? And Hopefully he gets help and, and he doesn't do it again. But it it it's not a for sure thing that he right. won't, you know. Right. Now with your daughter, what type of help is she is she getting? Like what did you so go about doing there? Because yeah, so, obviously there's a lot of trauma that's probably gonna be there. Yeah, um, and I think that it's more she was so young, like she knows that something bad happened to her, right? And we've <clears> talked about it with her and uh, her mom and I have tried to talk to her as much as possible. She's had rough days in school. And um, so basically, man, just kind of, you know, talking to her, bro. Talking to her as much as possible. Like, you know, I, I've gone to see the therapist and kind of just try to talk to my daughter, like how I talk to the therapist. And I'm sure as time goes on and that the more she starts to, like, realize what happened to her, the more she'll need help with navigating what to do with those emotions. So as far as help for my daughters, like her mom and I have been, you know, real involved with her, talking to her constantly, checking up on her emotional state. Hey, are you okay? How's it going? Are you, have you been thinking about this? And, you know, she's been like fairly well, bro. She's seen how her mom and I responded. She's like, she knows we have her back, you know? And... I guess one thing that, you know, we, we try to do is just constantly check up on her, man. How you doing, baby? You okay? Estás bien? You know, talk to her. And, and if, you know, we see some reluctance, then push it a little bit. Hey, right. you sure? You know. What about your older daughter? Uh, yeah, bro. I mean, same thing, bro. Just us as parents trying to talk to them constantly about it. You know, like, you don't want to talk to them so much that it becomes an, uh, like, the obsessive topic, you don't want this to just flood their mind, right? right? All the time. But there is a reality that we have to constantly check on them. I I do. I talk to them all the time. Hey, kids, you know, 
once in a while, like, hey, you guys okay? Like, how are you doing? You guys been thinking about this? And one thing for them that they're really having a, like a hard time with, right? And initially, I was like, screw everybody, screw my mom, screw my brother, screw my sister, screw all of them. I don't care about them. Like, and you know, even with my kids, like, hey, kids, we don't need them. And and that wasn't the right response because, uh, you know, during uh, one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, it, it came up that like, hey, you know what? From the point of when this happened on, like, yeah, they weren't honorable to you. They didn't react with love towards your kids, towards me. But before that point, you loved them. Your kids loved them. These were the most important people in your life. So it's okay to grieve that they're not in your life anymore. And that's something that I hadn't done for myself. I was immediately like angry and no, cut them off. Right? But the reality is there has to be, if you're reasonable, if you're realistic, there's a grieving process. That's your mom. That's your dad. That's your brother. That's your sister that you've known your whole life and you guys were a family. Now they're not going to be a part of your life after this. How can they be? Right. How can you be with them after their reactions in court, after everything that happened, after their lack of interest in my children's uh, uh, emotional state? You know, well being. So yeah. uh, well being, yeah. So I I allowed myself to grieve that, and I was like, you know what, that's fine, you know. And I talked to my older sister in Florida, and I was like, you know what, you know, I, I I'll be there at their funerals to grieve who they were to me, but not because of some kind of regret that I cut off communication with them, you know, there because was at this point there, there is no, communication, yeah. So, right? yeah. And then, uh, I was talking about my kid, the, the aspect of my kids, right. <clears throat> I had to go back and, and, and tell them like, Hey, you know, daddy was wrong. Like, do you guys miss them? Do you miss your grandma? Do you miss your grandpa? Do you miss your tío, your tía? And they're like, no, dad, we don't, we don't talk to them no more. I'm like, Hey, listen, I told them, about my ayahuasca experience and how I needed to grieve, I broke it down to them. And I'm like, so with that information, guys, it's okay. It's okay to say, yeah, I missed them. It's okay to say I'm sad that we don't see them no more. And they were honest. They're like, yeah, you know, I, I do miss them. And, you know, I'm, I don't know why they did this, you know, and they, they started airing out their, their, like, uh, their emotions about this whole situation. I'm like, I'm so glad I, I got to that realization on on this in the ceremony because what I would have done to my kids, I would have made them suppress that sadness, that grief. Yep. And when something is suppressed, it festers, bro. And who knows what kind of trauma or, or negative effects that would have had on my children as they got older. So I'm like, no, no, let me open up that safety valve. And guys, tell me, you miss grandpa, you miss your grandma, you miss them. Okay, it's okay too. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say you miss how things were. It's okay. And and man, dude, it's just, I, it's such a messy process, bro. Such a messy process. But, you know, all of this can be avoided as best as possible to, and I'm talking to the parents now, like mom, dad, you know, as a mom, as a dad, like take care of your children, man. Educate them about boundaries with people. Not, you know, and you don't want to create like these kids that have anxiety about around everybody and stuff, but you want to make them aware 
that this kind of thing exists and how to avoid it. But you don't also want to put all the responsibility on them to avoid this happening to them, right? You as a parent have to be proactive. Notice who you're leaving your kids around. If you're, you know, at Mexican parties, bro, all the parents gather up, drink, dan en la peda, and it's like, bro, your kid is off with his cousins or other kids from the party that might might or might not be family. You don't know what they're doing, bro. You don't know what they're doing. A lot of we we as kids did that as our parents are sitting there drinking, chilling, and we're in the alley smoking weed. You know what I mean? We're down the block with the game bangers hanging out. Yeah. Your kids, the parents don't know what's happening. So, what I want to tell parents is, hey man, is the peda worth it sometimes to you know neglect what your children are doing? Like, you have to be proactive, bro. You have to take care of them. If if you Maybe even families together should get together and put the cousins. And it might be a completely uncomfortable conversation. But in retrospect, if I could sit down, everybody, even my nephew that did this, and be like, listen, guys, you guys are cousins. You guys are family. But, you know, don't be touching each other. Don't don't be doing this to each other. Don't do that. Don't watch this. Like, have that. Un- I'd rather... I would have rather had that uncomfortable conversation than to be in this uncomfortable reality that I'm in now. So parents, maybe you as an adult, as like you get together with your brother and your sisters and maybe there might be some offense taken and that should be a red flag. Like if you tell your brother, if a, uh, you know, tell your brother, your sister, hey, we should get the kids together, you know, and, and they got sons. They're like, oh, what? You think that my son would do this? And that should be a red flag. Like, bro, if you're, child gets this happens to your child like their their response is going to be just that they're going to be like oh well my kid would never do this so it's like hey no offense is this just to bring awareness to our kids to like not you know what i mean like to to be aware of like hey what if you think about doing this it's wrong and just that conversation might stop something from like this happening i'm gonna backtrack a little bit bro um how long after that incident did your daughter come forward? Was it the next day? Was it? It was. Uh, it was like he had told them, bro. Because when my older daughters caught him doing this, he told them, "Swear you won't say nothing, or you're gonna go to hell." So he threatened them, you know. Yeah. So they they came forward with this a few weeks after it happened, right? And they told their mom first, and then they told me. Uh, well, they. Came and picked me up from work and told me on the car ride home. And dude, I was I had to pull over in the middle of the of the road, bro. I, I was crying. I was just frantic, bro. And yeah, so they were thinking that they were gonna go to hell, you know. And and their their mom, she's like, uh, you know, she's she's she loves Jesus. She you know she, she's a Christian. So like for them, hell is a very real thing. You know what I mean? Especially their younger kids. And you said your daughter's six and. When it happened, she was six, and my other daughter was uh, eight. Eight. Eight when this so happened. They're both really young, bro. Where something like that would trigger them to say, "All right, maybe we shouldn't say anything." Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Especially the threatened and and to not say nothing, and maybe they also feel like they're gonna get in trouble. You know, right, like, hey, right. Yeah, well, what's gonna happen? And no, I mean, I immediately I told you, I quit, I pressed them. Like, are you sure? Like, are you making this up? And and she, you know, she said no. I would, I would not make this up. Like the, the just the, the, 
the way she told me, I'm like, yeah, she's not lying, like, man. This, you yeah. know, and like you I know when your kids are, yeah, lying, dude. yeah like man. especially so, with something like this, I would think this is something that you'd probably feel right away, dude. Yeah, you know what I mean? and and the more you keep it quiet, bro, the more this is gonna continue to happen. You know what I mean? This is gonna. We have to speak about this stuff. It's it's it feels icky, right? Talking about it, you know. I'm a, I, I trust me, man. I I knew I had two choices. I could either, you know, I sought I, I sought out justice. I got him sentenced. I could just shut up and continue with my life and never think about this again. I could do that. I could just focus on making sure I, I work on my daughter's trauma and, and, and all, all my kids, right? This is a, tra- a traumatic experience for, for all of my family. I could just move forward and just focus on them, which I definitely will. I was like, or I can also be a voice to bring awareness to this. I can let people know like, hey, man, you heard that story about the guy on Compass Unfiltered? Like, man, like if I can plant the seed in... In, in in the minds of parents while they're out partying or even if they have like sleepovers and stuff like that like you know have that conversation man get the quest that what, what, what is it going to cost you to bring something uncomfortable up yeah you know it, it, if you don't something like this might happen and trust me man on this side of it it's not a good feeling bro so i just knew that i i could either shut up or i could sit uh, go out and and uh, make people aware of this, make parents aware of this, man. And I, and I'm glad you're on here, bro, and, and talking 100%. about it, bro. Um, looking back at it, since that happened, and be- before she actually came forward and talked to you, that um, now that you look back at it, there, was there any flags? Like, was there anything that you kind of like? Yes. Know, like yeah. So in retrospect, you're right. You're absolutely right. Right. And this this kid would always want to sleep over, always. And I'd be like, no. And like, I would always say no, right? That, I don't know, maybe I had like an intuition. I was always like, no, you know, no, it's okay. And even one time he was like, fine. Like a real manipulative, manipulative, uh, man, he, in a we'll manipulating way. Yeah, in a, no yeah, edit. Yeah, yeah. No, no edit, fool. Yeah, in a no real edit. like manipulative way. Yeah. He yeah. was like, um, fine. If you don't love me then, then don't have me sleep over. And I that broke my heart, bro. I can still remember. I was like, no, Hey man, hijo, I love you, man. No, it's nothing like that. You know, it's just like I'm always at work, and when I'm at, uh, at home on the weekends with the kids, like I want to just you know be with them. But no, I I love you. There's nothing you know wrong with you. Obviously, I did have that you know that that whole porn incident with him. So that also was like, yeah, I don't want you know he's much older. He's watching porn already. Like I don't want my kid to be you know around that. And then. Yeah, there, there's red flags. It's like, man, it, it was creepy to think back all the times he kept asking to sleep over. I'm like, did did he have this intention all along? All along, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. did you have this intention, yeah. right? So, yeah, man, just you think back and you're like, man, I wish I would have right. done something. But you, when you love somebody, you're not looking for reasons to, you know keep them away from you, right? You're like, of course. you're looking for reasons to be like, well, yeah, he's a kid. All kids kind of watch porn. You know what I mean? Back in the day, we had the hot box, you know, Ken, who didn't flip through the channel and be like, oh, damn, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, damn, porn is on, right? Yeah. yeah. So you want to, you don't want to think that because he did something that a majority of kids do and especially now with having cell phones and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Back in the day, your dad or mom had to get the hot box to do that, you know? So 
you don't want to think that because he did that. Oh, he's a he's a lost cause. Keep him away. You want to? Yeah. yeah, his family. So like now you're like that's a red flag because this happened. But at the time you're like well, he's 13. He's probably just curious. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It was more not that it's normal. But that curiosity that that yeah, tends to happen yeah, at 13, I mean, 14 I'm, years old, I'm 12 not, years old. Yeah, and I'm not like pro-porn, especially not for kids, right? I mean, but I'd be lying if I said I never watched porn. Like, right, yeah, right. yeah, who hasn't, right? And it's like most people that do that are not sitting there doing these things that he did. So you don't want to think that just because he watched that, it's going to lead to him doing something else, especially to your own kid, right? So you try to find the best in a person. Like, oh, you know, he's a young 13-year-old, you know. Yeah. Did you end up bringing this up to your mom? The, the po- Yeah. Yeah, it was a whole family thing. Oh, so you, it, it yeah. got brought oh, up. Oh, yeah. I, I brought it up. I'm okay. like, yo, uh, hey, look what this kid is watching. This, yeah. And I told her, like, yo, you need to start monitoring these kids. Watch what they're doing. Like, don't just leave them upstairs all day playing video games and doing whatever they want. You know okay. what I mean? Like, so it's not like you played it off like, oh, he's 13. He's curious. Yeah, right. and it's kind of to like uh, what you guys were talking about earlier before we started the pod about old school parenting and new school parenting. It's like they're they're not like uh, built to like like how we are. We, we're now, like, initially in our life, we, we grew up without technology. But as technology started emerging, we were at the age where we would use it, right? When we started getting smartphones and we started getting, you know, MySpace and all that. So we're kind of aware of, of the internet and what to watch out for. Like, you know, not overexposure to this. It, it, social media can be super addicting. And uh, they're, they're not built to, they're like, they're parents of kids from the 80s and 90s. They don't know you know, millennial and Gen X or, or Gen Z uh, parenting methods of like, right. hey, restricting them on 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 uh, social media, on technology and, and smartphones and gaming. So, I mean, like... It all played a role, kind of. Yeah, I feel like it played a role, but I did tell everybody like, yo, I, I, I made it a... I, I, as you can see, I have a, a thing for exposing an issue and trying to resolve it, right? So it was exposed out of love. Which is a good quality because I don't know what I would have done in that situation if my 13-year-old, 14-year-old nephew was doing this. I'd probably be like, yo, chill out or something. I'm not sure, you know? Yeah, and yeah. we go back, I always tell Checo, like, it's easy to say, I do this, I do that. Yeah. But it, it's Until really... There. Yeah, yeah, so then it's I, never that, ca- that I, case. Yeah, I know. I, I told... I was like, hey, man. Which is good. I think that's a good yeah. quality yeah. to and have. Then, and then what, what I did next as the uncle, right? It was like, hey... Everybody, bring your cell phones down right now, and we oh. started and we started going through everybody's shit, you know. And, Which is good, also. A good yeah, thing. and we started checking everybody's phone, you know. And and just recently, I got my kids' phones for uh, Christmas to be able to have you know communication with them, and they know, like, man, dad checks everything, and I do like a weekly check. All right, pass me your phone. Who's this? Who's who's this friend that you're texting? Oh, well, it's my friend from school. Well, you didn't get authorization to have them. Tell them you're sorry, but their number is getting deleted. This phone is for family and emergencies. That's it. You know, so I'm on top of their phones. I'm checking their stuff constantly, you know, to try to avoid them falling into those like, you know, things that they're not supposed to be seeing. Right. And they know while they're going through their whatever they're doing on their phones, like this guy's going to check it out. He's going to go through everything. Yeah. And are you able to see like their browsing history on your own phone? Like. Can you go from your phone or is there anything like that where you well, can yeah, kind of see I, their browsing history? Yeah, because they're, 
they have uh, Google, right? Google Chrome or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have access to all their stuff. So I can open up, I can log into their Google from my phone. And I can check the browser in real time. So they yeah. can't delete it. Or no, clear I can, it. no, and it's I don't. It's gonna be it. Yeah, yeah, and and I haven't taught them to be that savvy to delete it and then delete from the trash. Like, no, I'll go in the trash and I'll see if you've deleted anything. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. if they delete text messages or something, I can go and retrieve deleted text messages. So Got like, okay. I'm I'm really uh, savvy in that way, and they know that. So they're like, how how did you find this? I'm like, bro, I know, man. They're, just be careful. With what you're watching, because I will know what you're watching. I will see what you're communicating uh, uh, to your friends about. You and know? like you said, communicating this information is like the first. It's like the best thing to do because now they know you know. Yeah. Now they, you know, that's the the preventative step. Yeah. So let it's them like, like hey. yeah, just and just like similar to them browsing and knowing like, oh, dad knows that he. I know that dad's gonna check it. You know. Right. Similar to what I'm trying to do for parents, like, hey, bro, just make the people that are around your kids. Let them know that you wouldn't want something like this to happen. That let them know like, hey, this kind of stuff could happen and you guys shouldn't do it. It's bad. You know, like you got to put it in the kid's mind, bro. You know, if you, you have to make, it's uncomfortable, right? Because nobody, I got sons, bro. I have sons and if somebody was like, I could see that they're uncomfortable with my sons around them. Like, yeah, it hurts. But you got to be understanding of like, yeah, you know what? Talk to your kids. Like, I talk to my sons. Like, hey, man, always respect the boundaries with, with other girls or, you know, you're, you're like, always be respectful. Like, you know, you seeing like, what happened to your sister? Like, that should never happen ever, you know? And, and like, uh, you know, don't ever do that. And they're like, dad, I, I would never do something like that. I'm like, I know, hijo. I'm not, I don't mean to offend you. I'm not trying to say that you would, but I have to, as a father, I have to tell you, like, this kind of behavior is completely unacceptable. Whether you know that innately, like naturally, right? You know that or not, I'm your dad and I have to say these words to you. As a parent, you have to have these conversations with your kids, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of want to move on into like the healing uh, and, and some of the stuff that you, that you mentioned, ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I consider that healing, right? Or, or some form. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Talk us through that, bro. Like how how was that how was that experience for you and how it helped the situation? Yeah, so you know, I um at this point in my life, right, with all this happening and uh well before we move on, just all my kids, I love you guys. Uh you know, I'm I'm always gonna be here for you guys and I know it's rough, but I love you guys and you know, we're gonna I, I tell them all the time, uh we're gonna move forward and with power. That's our that's our slogan in our household. Move forward and with power. So uh, moving forward to the ayahuasca, I had nobody like to really talk to. I have some cousins that I'm really close with. The family got divided, bro, for sure. Like people chose sides, and I can even see like at one of my uh, cousins' funerals. You know, uh, rest in peace. He's like my father figure, bro. I saw like a family member there, and they kind of acted weird. And I know they know about the situation. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I saw my mom at one of their parties, so. You know, the, the family got completely divided. But there are a handful of cousins that, they're like my brothers, bro. They're like my brothers. Shout out to my cousins, man. Jay, Leo, Louie. Uh, and, you know, besides them and my compadre, Johnny, I got a compadre, man. He's I talk to them, right? And that's that's a form of therapy to be able to talk with them openly. But, you know, you they're working, I'm working. You don't always have that communication. So things, like I said earlier, they fester, right? 
So I'm like, man, I, I really don't. I've heard about ayahuasca. I've heard about that it, you know, it, it it's great for like depression and it's great for like uh, just anxiety, journeying inside yourself, right? It's it's a great um, medicine to explore like your traumas, right? It, it so. I heard about this on like, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff. So I was always interested in it. And one day, like I was uh, uh, my my girl, my girlfriend, man. So I reached out to her one day and uh, she, I noticed that she shared something like a post. And then I clicked on the profile of the person who shared, uh, did that post. And in that person's bio, I saw psychedelic uh, healing. So I at this point, I, the first time I ever did mushrooms, I was thirty, so I was pretty late to to the psychedelics. But you know, uh, they they did a lot of great for me. You know, they they helped me out. So I'm like, yeah, you know, with this deep trauma, I want to explore it a little deeper. So I was like, yeah, you know, like, have you ever done mushrooms or anything like that? And that's how we started talking. You know, and uh, she invited me to Miami, bro. Like I, we went to high school together, but we didn't really. Um, we didn't really know each other like that. We said hi and bye. You know, we had AP biology with Mr. Pazel. Shout out to Mr. Pazel. And he had, to, he had to throw the AP, the AP in there. Yeah, I was going to say so that. that so Come on, like, dog. Come on, dog. Yeah, I'm not going to say intermediate yeah, biology. I like, <laughs> hey, humbly, humbly the hey, AP biology. Even if it was intermediate biology, I would have said AP biology. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, we had uh, we met in biology, but we never really talked like that. And just the, yeah, she was like, do you want to? I know somebody who, uh, you know, facilitates ayahuasca ceremonies. Would you be interested in going? I'm like, and it was crazy because we barely even knew each other. I'm like, oh, I guess. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. And I, I wanted to do it to, to better myself, right? Because I'm going to be the one who helps my children navigate the trauma. You can't do that if you haven't healed your own trauma, right? So as like a, a leader to my children, I need to be Okay. I need to and uh, I need to make sure that I find like ways to navigate my trauma. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give ayahuasca a try. You know, it, it sounds intense. It sounds crazy. So, uh, you know, we went out there, and 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 the the preparation for ayahuasca is intense, bro. It's like three weeks prior, you can't eat like pork. It, it's basically just like a you're just eating like it has to be no meat and no. Uh, uh, no dairy, right? What's the reason for that? One of the reasons is because uh, there's a 5-MAO inhibitor. It's like, it's in, I think, in the ayahuasca root. So the ayahuasca is a brew with the ayahuasca root and the chacruna plant. The chacruna plant has DMT in it, dimethyltryptamine, right? And that's what makes you trip. Some people smoke smoke DMT and they trip for like 15 minutes, right? They go on this crazy little 15 minute journey but it's quick because your body uh i think your liver processes it processes it quickly so with the ayahuasca root it has uh like a 5 mao inhibitor so it prevents your body from breaking this down oh so that 15 minute dmt trip from people smoking dmt or like the toad or whatever you know i don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have heard yeah. of the toad it turns it into like this 5 hour six seven hour journey bro so um you, you know you they they brew that together and uh you know you 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 drink it to drink the lotomas and 
you know, it's uh, it's in this really beautiful like ceremonial setting. So there's a woman uh, named Gracia. She's amazing, bro. Amazing. Uh, she she came out to Chicago recently, or yeah, like last October. And I went to the ceremony. I did a two-day one with her. And the ceremony is beautiful, bro. Like, she incorporates... I guess she goes to Peru to do a rite of passage to be able to do this, right? And she's not a shaman. She's not like, a, you know, she's just a, a, a guide. So she's there to guide you through this. You know, uh, she you know, she gives you the medicine. You know, you got... It, it's like... There's like no natural... Like, no light, electricity light. It's all natural. Yeah, you, you start the the... The, the ceremony about six o'clock when the sun's going down and uh yeah man she, she sets it up her altar up really nice and you go to your own little mat you know sleeping bag mat whatever and you just lay there everybody's you know wherever i've been in a ceremony with 10 people and i've been in a ceremony with 26 people and everybody just goes off and yeah bro you just see where your journey goes right like you see where where, where it leads you to and yeah, things come up. You get like this kind of cinematic, at least I did, or I got like this cinematic cartoonish um, like visuals or, you know, it felt like I was there. And, you know, you see all of that and then you start getting to the nitty gritty, right? Like there's this guy named Terrence McKenna. He passed away. Um, he was a big uh, like psychedelic proponent uh, back in like the 70s you know he he was like one of the pioneers for psychedelics being you know uh for like psychedelic research and one thing that he says is like with psychedelics bro people be like oh i saw shapes and colors and all this and you will you will see that you'll get visuals but you don't want to get you don't that's not that shouldn't be your reason for taking psychedelics right like yeah that's gonna happen but the real i guess the real purpose of them the, or the way you should be using it is to dig into your trauma, bro. Like, get past that, man. Get get past it. And it's awesome. It's cool, you know. See shapes, colors, and trees swaying sometimes. It's pretty cool, man. It's good, it's good shit. But you don't want to get caught there, man. You want to continue a little further into the journey. And, and once you get, like, uh, I guess the peak of the ayahuasca ceremony is when all the stuff started coming out, like, uh, about my, uh, you know, about grieving for, you know, the... The breakup of the family about like uh, really like uh, wanting to be there for my kids and and guiding them through life. I got like just a deep. I always appreciate my kids, but I just got this deep. I just want. I wanted them to like teleport to me right then and there. And I'm like, man, I just love them. I just I gotta be there for them. I gotta do my best for them. And and yeah, like also growing up, I had a you know my mom was a drug addict, bro. She was you know doing coke and crack all hard shit bro so she kind of was absent for a little bit and my dad was there you know holding it down the best he could but he's a like a hard-working just mexican so he he was absent and that he was trying to provide and then my mom wasn't there so i grew up with like a lot of like i guess exploring it now like abandonment issues right like feeling like abandoned and i growing up in the streets you know and uh Around gangs, you know, I started hanging out with gangs in the in the hood, in the hood where I was from, and and getting involved with drug dealing. Like, dude, my when I was fourteen, my first time ever getting locked up was for crack, bro. So like early, I got early on. I, I was involved with a lot of shit, and just like being out there all the time, it created like this anxiety. And I know Checo, you deal with anxiety, yeah. bro. So 
I was always constantly worried about getting locked up. I was always constantly worried about getting shot and killed. You know, I, I didn't think I'd live to 30, you know, when I was young and out there. And uh, even if you get away from that life, you still, your body, it's kind of like soldiers that get PTSD, right? Because they're, they're constantly in a fight or flight mode. All that adrenaline is rushing. And then your body kind of gets accustomed to that fight or flight mode. So I guess with PTSD, I'm no expert, right? But I guess with PTSD, what happens with these soldiers is that their um, their fight or flight mode is kind of broken, right? So like they're feeling all this trauma, like you know, like freaking out, all this anxiety under circumstances that it, sh- it shouldn't happen, right? And I I had that, bro. I would I would I was like at this point living in the burbs already, you know, and I would still have that paranoia, like. Like looking over my back, getting that anxiety, like, man, like I'm gonna get shot or something. And it's like, oh shit, you know, that that came out in the ayahuasca experience. Like, man, I have like this PTSD of growing up in the neighborhood, bro. Like, you know, uh, and my my cousin, bro, my cousin Tony, rest in peace, man. He he was a huge father figure to me, man. And he took me under he saw when I was out there game banging and 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 hanging out in the neighborhood. And this guy, he was also, you know, he grew up like that. He he was 20 years older than me, so he took me under his wing in the best way he could. I mean, he was through and through, man, a gangster, bro. And he took me under his wing when I was young. He was like, man, cuz you're out here with these goofies, man. You're going to get shot. He was like, come with me and, and I'll teach you. And he he took me into the drug dealing world. Was that the best thing to do with a young kid? I was like 14, you know, and probably not. But I know he, his intentions were to look out for me. You know, like, hey, you're chilling out with these goofies. Like, come with me, bro. I got you, you know. And then he taught me a lot of things, taught me a lot of things in life. But, you know, and and just to give a little homage to him, you know, he just passed away uh, barely last year in October. Like, yeah, like the way I think he gave me like the the to have like a, a, a boss mentality, to not be a pushover. You know what I mean? To to speak. This man was fearless, man. I, he was a fearless man. He was a he was a. Like, man, dude, uh, in Chicago, man, one of the toughest motherfuckers I ever known, bro. I really looked up to this guy. And in retrospect, obviously, I'm like, yeah, well, wasn't the best things that he introduced me to, but that's all he knew, man. That's all he knew. So, yeah, he he's definitely was intelligent, but and he was a street guy. So um, when I was with him in those in those times of drug dealing, bro, I was constantly paranoid. Like, we'd be having a lot of merch on us and, you know, like that paranoia Feeling that so, so like, uh, for so long, because I was with him every day for like almost four years, bro. And that, uh, that paranoia, that, that, how is that just gonna go away? You know what I mean? Like, your body gets accustomed to that. So during the, the trip, like, yeah, bro, I just, I was able to kind of like realize, like, yeah, I've had this anxiety issue, always feeling like I'm gonna get killed or caught or by the cops, like, Bro, I'm living a good life. Like, I'm not on that. Yeah. I'm yeah. not, you know. Like, law-abiding citizen. Yeah, here. like, I'm a law-abiding citizen now. You know, I have kids. I'm a father. Like, that that part of my life, I lived it, but it's done. Like, you know, so it got to the root of why I felt like that. Got to the root of, like, the abandonment issues early on, uh, you know, with, with, with my mom leaving us for her drug habit and stuff like that. And, yeah, man, just, dude, it, I, I would recommend ayahuasca. And if anybody wants a... Uh, uh, like join a ceremony they can reach out to me bro you know look me up on Facebook uh, David Montalvo or on uh, Instagram I'm David underscore Sica Delico that's S-I-K-A 
uh, D-E-L-I-K-O. Like, hit me up, and I, I'm sure I could facilitate, you know, a, a, a ceremony. And if you guys ever wa- wanted to come through and join. Like, <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Down. So I'm I have down. two questions. Yeah. Um, so you don't get stuck in the in the colors and shapes and all the cool shit. Is that why the lady's there, to kind of guide you? Um, or do you kind of have to look within yourself? No, I mean, okay, so as far as, like, the visuals and all that, like that, that's depending on your body, right? Or right, how right. your reaction, like it's going to happen, right? She's not there to like, hey, stop seeing shapes of color. No, yeah. no, no. But- so she's there to kind of like, um, sometimes people freak out, right? They freak out. They start like, you know, you hear people, you'll, you'll hear people like screaming and stuff and, and like whatever turmoil they're going through internally, like that, that has to deal with their, you know, their trauma. So she's just there to kind of guide everybody safely. To make sure that everybody's okay. So, like, if she sees somebody freaking out or whatever, she'll go and be like, hey, hey, hey. Like, okay. So, she's there like, to Yeah, of... she's there to, like, to keep people safe and to guide them through their journey, right? And to make sure that everybody's okay, you know? And, and like, uh, obviously, if she, she sees somebody walking off or something, she'll go yeah, and make sure that they're fine. So, she's there to just kind of oversee the whole ceremony and make sure that everybody's okay. So, you have to kind of dig within yourself to get to those core yeah, situations. Or, the or... ayahuasca will... Bring that out. Bro. Okay. So you can, so what they say with ayahuasca is like you want to set an intention. So back to the preparation, right? Because Yes, can, that's, yeah. that was going to be okay, my okay. second question. Okay, so, so yeah. back to the preparation, right? So like you have to get on like this uh, diet of just eating mainly just vegetables because, and that was, uh, we went off on this whole thing, but my whole point with explaining ayahuasca, right, is like you want to have that diet because certain foods will prevent the the ayahuasca root, the five MAO uh, inhibitor, it, it it'll interfere with that. So your body will process the DMT quick, and then you won't have that long journey. Okay. So part of the preparation, f- food wise, is to make sure that you don't mess with that five MAO inhibitor, so that you can't have that DMT experience for a prolonged period of time and to journey right. Because if it if it processes out of your system quick. Then where's the journey? There's no journey. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, like the purpose yeah. is journey. Yeah, and the healing. purpose. The purpose is to sit in there, right? So th- they tell you set an intention, right? Maybe you're dealing with a divorce. Maybe you're dealing with the death of a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with childhood trauma, sexual um, abuse, whatever you're dealing with. Set an intention. Maybe you're stuck in life. You you know things like that, bro. Maybe your marriage is not going well, and you want to go do a ceremony with your wife, you know. Or maybe your wife is not open to it and you want to go. Or your husband's not open to it. So you as a wife, you want to go, you know, explore that. So you got to set an intention. But from my experience, bro, no matter what intention you set, this thing is going to take you on a journey of what it gives you what you need, not what you want. So you can set an intention all you want and it can go a completely different way. And you're like, oh, my God, you can have like this realization like. Dang, I didn't even know that that was something that I was struggling with. I didn't even know that that's something something that I needed to work on. So it, it's interesting in that way. It's like, uh, it's real mystical. If you know, like, yeah, we can. I can explain the scientific, like, thing that happened, like the DMT and the five MAO, and but at the end of the day, bro, there there's some kind of mystical experience that happens, and it's brought people who are um, atheistic, you know. To believe in God and it's it's brought people who who um are like believe in God or like have their faith like maybe Christians and like uh I and I guess in, in regards to Christianity, right? Like they're 
sh- they shun like drugs and stuff like that, like not to do drugs. But I mean, it can you can have a spiritual experience and it could lead you closer to that relationship with with Christ, with right? What you've been yeah. believing, yeah, with what you've been believing in, right? And I, I guess even coffee, right? Coffee's uh technically a drug, right? Because it it alters your your nervous system, right? So technically, coffee is a drug, right? And 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 one thing that I want to do, and and especially in our community, the Mexican American community, is like. Don't get so caught up in in like the stigma of like oh my gosh that's some hippie white people shit. It's like, hey man, uh, it's not. You're like there's a history to it in Mexico, right? Like pre-Hispanic indigenous cultures of Mexico, especially in the region of Oaxaca, they they not mushrooms grow naturally there, and they've been doing it ceremonially for thousands of years. So this is in our culture as as Mexicans. Right. And it's interesting because I, I researched my last name. My last name is Montalvo. I'm like, where does this last name come from? Right. So I researched it a little bit. And like Montalvo obviously is not uh, a, like a, a indigenous Mexican term. Right. So got brought over by like the, the Spanish people that in, uh, you know, invaded uh, Mexico. But there's this in Oaxaca, there's this mount, there's this like hill, you know, and it's called Monte Alban. And uh, that's where the Zapoteca people would do like ceremonies and stuff like that. And in that region of Oaxaca, like mushrooms grow abundantly there. And like, yeah, my name comes from like that area, like Montalvo is like De De Monte Alban or whatever. And I guess that was, they had a different name for it. I'm not sure what that name is. I'm like in their own tongue, but the Spanish people, when they came, I guess it reminded them of. There's Monte Alban back in Spain. So they kind of named it. Like, like, we're going with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, that looks like Monte Alban, right? So it, psychedelics have been part of the Mexican culture, bro. So, you know, I, I feel like, uh, especially in, in our culture, a lot of people struggle with alcoholism. Borrachos, right? In La Peda or even yeah. like with Coke is, you know, people do Coke. You had, well, your guess with Jose and his wife, Myra, what's her mm-hmm. Myra? Yeah. You had them in here and like, yeah, the homie struggled, bro. And and he overcame his addiction. And, uh, you know, I heard him mention like AA. And I think, I don't know the guy's name. Cause I think Leary, Dennis Leary or something. The, the guy that created yeah, like the AA. Yeah, created AA. Yeah, like, like the guy that who created AA, he wanted to incorporate LSD into the, into the situation into, into the, the the program right because it did great things for him so like yeah psychedelics can help people get over addiction maybe there's a guy who's always drinking and maybe with friends like hey, este cabrón's bien borracho like he likes to drink and all that but maybe deep down inside because in my case bro like I was drinking a lot I was drinking a lot bro I was always drinking bro and it started interfering with me as a as a father it definitely played a big role in my neglect to my marriage being like always drinking and and fighting and saying things that I regret like yeah definitely played a huge role in that and I think that what like mushrooms can do like it's proven bro there's research now that it's helping people get over anxiety getting over depression addictions bro and I think that I would rather our the men in our culture Take some microdose psychedelics, 
or even on the weekend, all get together and hang out. And instead of having borracheras, you guys all trip out and have like some some deep conversations. You know what I mean? And, and instead of harming your bodies, do good because psilocybin, it it, it produces like neuroplasticity in your brain. So it, it, inc- it increases the brain function. It helps it. It doesn't do harm. Alcohol kills brain cells. And prolonged use of a prolonged use of alcohol it's going to lead to cirrhosis of the liver it's going to lead to a whole bunch of you know health effects bro and uh, I, I wish our, our our culture would embrace more the 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 psychedelic uh well, I, psychedelics I, I feel like this is going to be part of it bro the fact that you're you're bringing awareness to it bro yeah, you and, know that's that's the, that's the start yeah, yeah, and I, I for, like, and I really appreciate you guys having me on because when we first met at uh, Fiesta Market, maybe you guys want to be sponsors of the Compas Unfiltered <laughs> Fiesta Market. Um, but definitely, I told you, like, yeah, like this traumatic thing happened. You know, I'd like to go on there and bring awareness to parents to watch out, you know, for their kids and and just uh, bring sexual abuse out. And and also like another aspect to sexual abuse is like not just pre- preventing, but like there's people who suffer with this in silence. Men and women, que ya son grandes, that like are our, our age or a little older, this happened to them and they have nobody to talk to. Yeah. So me coming on here and talking about this, like, please open up. If you need some somebody to talk to, reach out. Like, I, I, I'd love to hear you out. And if this is something that you're struggling with, I would love to, you know, obviously encourage you to, to seek some kind of therapy and, and, and psychedelic therapy and, and go. Any type of help, right? Yeah, help. Like, don't don't hold this in. Like, you know what I mean? Just because you were forced to keep this a secret or even if you told your mom and she didn't, oh, no, no podemos este, decir esto. Or, who knows, right? Who knows what it is? But at the end of the day, it's like, man, I, I hope that me on here is going to help people to um, to tell their story, bro. Tell your story. Get some help. Don't don't live with this as a secret and as a culture. Like, let's change this, man. It, 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 it's a nasty thing, bro. It's, it's, it's not a good feeling to to live with your child being assaulted and it's also like you know there's a lot of trauma with it bro so me being on here is like hey man get some help first and foremost try to prevent it try to do your best to to educate your kids and keep them safe and and help those people and i tell my kids all the time i'm like this is our reality now like babies unfortunately this is our reality there's no way around this it happened to us I'm like, so there, we can do one of two things. We can just shut up about it and go about our lives, or we can make sure that we help as many people as we can with this situation. I'm like, because it's a rough situation. I've told my daughters, like, baby, there, there's a lot of kids that don't have a dad that's like, I got you, baby. I'm here for you. I got your back. Are you okay? I'm like, there's a lot of kids that they, don't, they can't tell anybody about this. I'm like, maybe you'll meet somebody in school, or maybe 10, 20 years from now, you'll meet somebody. I'm like, it's a messed up reality that we have now. And I tell my kids like, but we have the opportunity to help so many people, help so many people with this. Like, yeah, it's as a father. Yeah. It's embarrassing, bro. Like some people might be like, Oh, but bro, like this guy, man, he, he caught him watching porn. Why do he even have him around his kids? And it's like, yeah, bro, I, I struggled with all those, all those things internally with that guilt with like, man, what could I have done? It's like, it's, it's my reality now. You know, it, it happened, and now I, as a father, and my children, like, we can be a unit and help people. 
And I told my daughters, like, you guys are superheroes. You guys are going to help so many people. I told my sons, you're, you guys are heroes. Watch. It's going to be somebody you're going to help someday. And you're going to be like, oh, well, actually, this happened in my family, man. Let me, let me help you out with this. Let me talk to you. You know? So, yeah. I agree 100%, my brother. Yeah. And I want to thank you, bro. Um, that, and I love the fact, bro, that you took this ugly situation, bro, and you turned it into a positive thing. And how you're willing to come on and talk to about it to other people, um, telling your kids to also help out, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I think that's just fucking badass, bro. I yeah. think it's so dope. Yeah, man. And it, it's also like, yeah, it, it's like it, it. I feel vulnerable, right? I'm out here telling my story and it's like, it's my reality. I'm not going to suppress my reality. So yeah. yeah, I appreciate you guys allowing me to to share these things, right? And there's so much to unpack, bro. But, you know, just I appreciate you guys allowing me to just come out here and, 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 and tell my story and hopefully help people out. So, yeah, man, if anybody ever needs help, definitely reach out to me, man. I'm more than happy to help in, in whatever's going on with your life, even just to talk to and also, like, uh, anybody interested in, in ayahuasca ceremonies, hit me up. Like, for sure, hit me up, man. I'd, I'd be glad to I, – I can facilitate that. I can, make, I can make that happen. I'd love to make it a consistent thing out here in Chicago. You know what I mean? I'd love for that to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love for that to happen, man. We definitely got to do a part two with you, bring you yeah. back on, and if, if you're willing to. Yeah, um, absolutely. Man, you guys can have me on as much as possible. Like, I'm, I'm a fan, man, and appreciate, appreciate that. I, I have an opinion on many topics, so if you guys ever want me back in, in regards to my story, feel free to reach out. And if you guys want my uh, me to join in on some you know other topic, well, yeah, hit me up, man. You know, I, yeah, uh, sure, I'll give man. my take. We appreciate it, man. And like you're already helping a lot of people, bro, by being here, man. So we appreciate it. We're honored to have you here, bro. Um, the unfortunate situation. But trust me, man, just the fact that you came on and spoke about it and you, you continue to voice it, you're already helping a lot of people, you and, and your family, bro. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, so bro. So we appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And like I tell my kids all the time, and I made and I have them say this uh, synchronized. I'm like, what's our slogan? Like, move forward and with power. And that's, that's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to move that, forward bro. and with power. Love, love it, bro. Love yep. it. Well, we're going to wrap this up, obviously. Este, so thank you again, bro. Yeah. Can I, I'm going to give some hey, shout ahead, outs. Go ahead, yeah. bro. Go ahead. Go for All it. All right, man. So uh, shout out to the homies, Los Vientos de Chicago. Uh, you know, they're on Facebook, Instagram. They're really good musicians, man. They're, they're starting off. Shout out to them. Uh, wish them the best. Shout out to my compa, Johnny. Shout out to my girl, Giselle. <laughs> shout out to the mother of my kids, Marieta. Shout out to all my kids. Uh, yeah, so shout out to, to my family, my cousins. I shouted them, shouted them out earlier. And uh, yeah, just look, look out for Los Vientos and, and uh, all my people. Appreciate you guys. I know, uh, I know I said that family broke apart, but there's a lot of family that, uh, that did have my back. And to those people, thank you uh, very much. And uh, th thank you for the support. And I, I, uh, I got you guys in mind, man, in heart. For sure. Yeah. So he's the reason why Vientos de Chicago are popping up on my uh, Instagram and Facebook, bro. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> I was like, this group sounds good. Like, where are they coming from, bro? But they, they've they, just started oh, popping up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we follow each other now. So yeah, I'm yeah. Sure that's yeah, why yeah. they're popping up. Hey, man, I'm yeah. glad, bro. That's what's up, man. Yeah. Shout out to them, man. Yeah, shout, shout out to out, the Vientos. Out. Yep, for sure, man. Well, thank you guys for listening for watching. This is Compass Unfiltered. Let's on Peace. Peace.